This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Seth Green. Seth, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be here. I'm super excited. Absolutely. So why don't you start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Sure. I am the founder and CEO of MarketDominationLLC.com. We are one of the fastest growing direct response marketing firms in the country, and we are headquartered right here in wonderful, snowy, cold Buffalo, New York. That's right. And we were just talking before the podcast of how today the Santa Ana's happen to be blowing here in Huntington Beach. So uh, it's 88 degrees here and it's 28 degrees in Buffalo. It's not your normal February, but there's a 60 degree difference and we're, we're having a podcast. So life well, is good. To- 28 degrees for us in February is normal. You're just 88 might not be normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, technology is wonderful. We're able to communicate across the country and bring this message to you today. So uh, really, I'm excited to have Seth on because he is is deep in the marketing world like myself. And, you know, part of the way that uh, we met was actually indirectly through a different business that I follow. And it's it's the Harmon Brothers. The Harmon Brothers are an awesome company that have created some of the most uh, viral ads of the past five or six years that you might have seen like Squatty Potty and what else? Purple Mattress and uh, Stitch Poopery, Fix. Or, Camp yeah, Poopery, Chef. Camp Chef. Yeah. So they, I really admired their ability to use comedy and storytelling in advertising and also with direct response advertising, absolutely blow businesses up and and take them from obscurity to a a household brand with something like a YouTube ad, right? Or a Facebook ad, which prior to that really had, had never been done. So I had already bought their book, bought their courses, followed them for a while. And then they emailed me like a year or two ago and talked about this strategy where you could essentially have your top 50 client, like dream clients that you don't have yet, promote your brand and share it to their following over the next 12 months. I was like, oh man, I got to watch this. Harmon Brothers are, are uh, endorsing it. And this seems like exactly what I'm interested in. Well, turns out it was a webinar that introduced me to Seth Green and Market Domination. And they also talked about the power of podcasting which I was about to launch my own podcast. So the timing was perfect. And so all of the, you know, the booking and so much that went into the podcast, the graphic design, I mean, everything, there's so many things that go into a podcast. It has been handled by market domination. And so if you're a listener of Lockbox, you appreciate 
the quality of the guests, the message, the delivery, the editing, the graphic design, all the things that have made this a professional podcast, market domination has been the work behind the scenes. And uh, that's just a fraction of what they offer. So I'm really excited to have this discussion with, with Seth today. Um, Seth, any, any comments there on that little preamble? Yeah, well, thank you for the warm introduction. Yes, uh, Harmon Brothers are awesome clients of ours. That took that was a multi-year process to get them as a client, and then obviously has paid tremendous dividends, not only in terms of raising our visibility in the industry with their endorsement webinar for their list that you were on. Um, all kinds of other opportunities have come our way because of our relationship with them. And full disclosure, it all started by interviewing them on a podcast. So <laughs> I am a product of our product. The Our relationship is a product of our product. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. An influencer emails their list. You get clients. In this case, we got clients. That's how it worked for us. That's how it is working right now for you. Jeff, and how it works for your listeners as well. So yeah, let's dive in and, and teach them some awesome marketing techniques, both podcasting and all over the different types of media spectrum. Absolutely. And that brings me to our first point, marketing best practices. Marketing doesn't have to be digital, doesn't have to be print. It really, the concepts of what marketing is and what produces results from marketing are relatively universal and then you switch the platform or the message delivery mechanism right and there are a little bit of some nuances with each of those platforms that make them perform you know to the initial idea better on that particular platform but the idea is so key the understanding how to get people to m take action and how to communicate with them in a way that is very clear and and that's where you know copywriting i know that one of the copywriters you study is dan kennedy right Absolutely. He is the first one I found and one of still one of the all time greats. But obviously, I've broadened my horizons to everyone Dan told me to follow. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And he's generous with offering other, you know, copywriters to follow and consume. And, and he pulls even he pulls some simple, simply often overlooked examples of powerful storytelling from things such as superhero movies. You know, I watched a ClickFunnels training uh, where he talked about the the superhero backstory. Yes. And, and it was an amazing training. But he talked about, I mean, think about like any superhero movie. They always have this origin story that ties you to them, right? Bruce Wayne. You know, That's parents, and usually it's your parents got killed and then parents got killed. And you got superpowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the detail, the script writers in those movies... Yes. Do not overlook the details of the origin story prior to getting into the action and then, you know, the ultimate climax of the movie and then the resolution at the end of the story, right? It's a journey. Yeah, and I've seen that. I see that in, res in real estate all the time is agents, both commercial and residential, they don't tell their stories. It's one of the right. biggest mistakes is they just think if I put my picture and my logo and my stuff on the postcard and I plant the farm and I mail the neighborhood over and over and over again, I'll get some business. And that's true. You will. However, just like in any business, if you tell a more powerful story than just, I can list your house, I can list your investment property, whatever it is. If you tell a better story in a better way, you will stand out head and shoulders above everybody else. Absolutely. And stories from the dawn of time are how human beings understand and remember, right? So by creating a story that is your own story and then thinking critically about how that 
uniquely qualifies you to offer some value proposition to them, which is a direct benefit to them. And that then now they perceive that others can't offer them. Now you're not a commodity, right? And so it's a really important aspect. And Seth, I've been doing too much talking. You're even more of an expert on this than I am. So I would love to hear some more insights on, it doesn't even have to be storytelling, but just marketing best practices. Absolutely. So I think no one else can tell your story, right? We can, uh, theoretically, we might all market a property the same way, or we might have the same size buyers list or whatever it is, but we don't all have the same story. Could you find other marketers to do Facebook ads or YouTube ads besides Jeffrey and myself? Of course you could. However, if you resonate with my story of, let's say, being bullied as a child and how that evolved into me becoming a magician and how that turned into becoming a college financial planner and how that turned into becoming a marketer, and you go, oh, each point of that journey, each bump in the road that adversity overcame, I can connect to, I can relate to, then I'm more likely to win the business. I remember in the beginning when I started learning marketing, I didn't want to tell my story. I didn't want to tell the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially the ugly parts. Because I wasn't, I didn't think about being proud of them. I didn't wear them as badges of honor. I didn't think of them as marketing assets. But Dan said, listen, the more you tell, the more you will sell. He said, you know what? When I started putting in my speeches, my stories of overcoming diabetes, people would come up to me in the crowd and go, I just bought and I'm a diabetic too. And they bought because they resonated with the diabetes story. Or when he talks about being an alcoholic, people would come up and go, hey man, I'm in the program too. I just bought because they resonated with, oh, if another alcoholic can do what he did, I can do it too. So I think it is really, really important to tell as much of your story as you're willing to share. And the more you share, the more you're going to profit from that. I think that segues into one of the next best practices when it comes to marketing in the real estate space is who is your target market? A lot Mm. of realtors get this wrong. They Well, anybody who will let me list their house or anybody who wants an investment property. And that's not true. If you try and be anything, all things to all people, you'll be nothing to nobody. I think you've got to differentiate yourself. It could be based on that story. It could be, hey, I, you know, Dan doesn't do this, but he could say, hmm, I'm a diabetic. I'm going to create a marketing program for business owners who are also diabetics. And it would work because that's another sub niche of the, I don't know if there's a list of diabetic business owners. I'm sure you could get, make one privacy is dead, but that is the more you sub niche, the more you specialize, the better off you'll be. You don't want just anybody who would list a house with you or anybody who wants an investment property. What if you are a specialist in, you know, four unit apartments, you know, quadplexes, and they want to buy a strip mall. (laughs) You may not know a darn thing about a strip mall and they don't want to be your first strip mall transaction. So, hey, do I, what do I want to focus on? I know that, you know, uh, you follow Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, and he's got, he just was on my show a while back about his awesome new book called Who's in Your Room? And the concept of the book is there's a room that you have and in the room is anyone you've ever interacted with in your entire life. And once they get in, you can't kick them out. The door opens, it never closed. Like you can let them in, you can't let them out. Who would you want to be in your room forever? And you immediately start thinking, oh man, there's some people I would kick out of that room right? If I could. So you immediately start being more selective about who you let in the room. Well, who do you want in your practice as, a, as, as in real estate? If you could wave a magic wand and only work with one type of dream client forever and build a new practice, just serving those people, 
who is that? Is that, you know, NFL players in your, in your city? Cause you've got three teams in a 30 mile radius is that, Hey, I only want to work with doctors who are moving in or professors who are transferring into the medical corridor. I mean, if you think about it, the more you narrow it down, the more you can customize your marketing for that specific group of people, which nobody else does. And you could own that market in a short period of time. That's right. So powerful to niche down and just commit to limiting your market cap because ultimately if you're trying to serve everyone as seth said you're serving no one and even if it's what blows me away when i understood this concept and then i started to niche 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 i realized how much opportunity there is in even the niche 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 for example when i started to look at real estate to help with their digital marketing their lead generation their follow-up I chose to not just help any agent, but to help top 1% real estate brokers. And with that, in the beginning, it was also only on the residential side. And so I was looking at the total market cap of, well, there are 1.5 million real estate agents in the US and Canada at that time. And some of them and, might list one house a year. Yeah, and 90% do. And so then I, I thought, well, okay, you know, that in and of itself, now I've already eliminated uh, what, like 7 billion other people on earth <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> down to like 1.5 million. But then I went to the 1% of the 1.5 million and, and thought, if I'm going to help build out these amazing lead generation follow-up systems digitally, I really want the leads that I generate to be followed up with by the best agents in the city so that I can make that connection happen. I'm providing unique value to the top broker who doesn't have a good online or digital presence and doesn't have these systems in place. And I'm providing unique value to the end user because I'm getting them in touch with the best agent in the city, right? And so I had that vision from the beginning. And even though I went niche, 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 where like now my market cap went from, what is it, uh, 1.5 million to, I for 15, forgot 000. if it was, 15,000. Yeah, I was just carrying the zero there. I was like, okay, which one is it? Now it went to 15,000. 15,000 people that Much more affordable are out there. reach target market. You can get to 15,000 people unless you uh, got some serious corporate venture capital, you're not going to reach 1.5 million. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's to the point. So now you have something that's attainable. You have something that you can speak to with content, which a lot of a lot of people in the world complain about like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what content to create. Well, when you niche, 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 now you can just think about having a conversation with that person that you're trying to target. And it's so much easier to then create content because you have a person in mind. And when you speak to that person, it'll also pop out off the page to them when they're scrolling on social media because they're like, oh, this was written for me. So really powerful concept there. And one of the simplest concepts, niche, right? Choose who you want to work with in the real estate world. And I love Seth's examples. NFL players only because there's three teams in the city. Uh, doctors, you know, choose, be very specific. Maybe you're a veteran and you only want to work with veterans. Awesome. You'll have a ton of rapport and credibility in that space because you're a veteran as well. Yeah, there's, there's so many areas that you can go. And typically it, it should tie in with your story in some way. But if not, it could tie in with your preference of who you really love as a client after doing this for 10 years. Do the 80-20 rule. Do the, oh, here's the 20% of my clients who I, I love and want more of and produce all the income and referrals. And here's the 80% that take up all the time. And, you know, they've only ever done one or no transactions. And, the, and you can just start to break it down that way. 
So do you have any other tactics there for, for niching and, and how to look at things? Absolutely. I think the 80-20 rule of analyzing your practice history, if you have one, is a great idea. I think it's also not only do we have to figure out who we want to serve, but then we have to figure out where we're going to reach them. Where do they hang out? So if I wanted 80-year-old arthritic widows, Snapchat and TikTok are not my best place to find them, right? They're not there yet. They're probably still on Facebook. Direct mail would probably actually be my best bet at that point or an ad in right. Arthritis Today magazine. So I think it's got to be you have to define the fish that you're trying to catch and then figure out what pond do they swim in and then reach them where they prefer to be reached. You know, if you're going after, you know, tech millennials who have sold their company or something like that, I'm making this up, but they probably don't want to be reached via direct mail. They would probably prefer some whatever their favorite social network is to be reached on. So you've got to do the research, not only on who you want to serve, but where you're going to be able to reach them in an affordable way so that you can show up as often as possible to own that market. Great point. I have this top broker cheat sheet. And I realized that even a couple of years ago, people were starting to talk about TikTok as a placement for ads and real estate agents. They're in a lot of Facebook groups and forums where they all communicate and, and throw ideas around. And I just wanted to dispel the myth. It's a little bit different nowadays because the user base has grown. But the first thing I did when a client asked me, hey, should I be on TikTok? And this was like, again, like three years ago when it was a very early adopting technology. I looked at the demographics and it was pretty much tweens and very early 20s. And so I said, why would you try and market to them when they can't afford a house? Maybe they then show their parents that you're a real estate professional. And that might then generate a, tr a transaction, but why not focus on first who you're targeting? It's good. Let's get your avatar and your niche broken down. And then once we know their either job or this and that, their detailed targeting, their, their age, this, now we can look at the platforms that they're on and market to them there. Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? Yes, of course. Now, not, that's not to say that three years later, there's not agents that have specialized in TikTok marketing and have had success on it because now the platform looks totally different. It, it actually encompasses 60% women. The age has dramatically increased. The dramatically income increased. is higher. Yes. Yeah, yes. Now, now, it, now you can make it work. Now it's a viable source. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But to your point, looking at that first, looking at the demographics of where is my target market getting their news? Where are they getting their information? Where are they spending their leisure time? What are they watching You know, at home? Should I be delivering Hulu ads, right? Well, oh, that's someone sitting in a house. And we, oh, it turns out Hulu has homeowner targeting, right? Rather than owner-occupied houses. even pick houses. the time yeah. of the day you want the ad to air on Hulu. So literally you can say, hmm, what show is on, what show actually airs as opposed to just you watch any time, and then if that show air is a weekly show airs at seven o'clock, I can run ads at seven. In essence, I'm advertising on that show at a fraction of the cost as it would cost me on network TV. That's right. So really powerful, really powerful. And I, I just love the concept of starting with the first thing first, which is who am I targeting? Yep. And then after, after that, okay, where, right? So who, where, and now probably the next question would be what? What's the message? What are, no, we're not at mass. We're going to, what are you going to do that's different? Message is the oh. next one, but it's what are you going to do that's different? Because if all you say is I can list your house, I can help you acquire an investment property. 
if I put 10 residential realtors in the room and say, what do you do? And they say, I'm a residential realtor. The prospect can't tell them apart. Mm. People think, oh, they all give the same answer. They all say they great, give great customer service so and they'll take good care of me. So they're going to either default to the person that they feel, oh, I like the way that person looks, or they said something that I resonated with, or they're willing to discount their price. Because in the absence of value, price becomes important. That's right. So I would prefer to be the most expensive provider of whatever it is that we do. And the only way to do that is to differentiate yourself based on either actual physical difference. We do a different service than everybody else, which is true here at our company. We do do something different because we invented it. No one else does it. And there's also a difference based on perception. I could wrap something that everyone has in a different wrapper and it would look different. We've done this in financial services hundreds of times where we'll take a product that everyone already knows in the marketplace and has a preconceived notion of, I don't want that. I know what that is. And we give it a different name and say it does something different. And they're all interested. We did that with life insurance where people, I don't want any life insurance. I don't need any life insurance, but we called it something else and restructured what it did. And people were raising their hands and our phones were ringing off the hook because once we got rid of the preconceived concept that was negative and created something they wanted, all of a sudden they didn't care what the underlying vehicle was that got them to their goal. So let's talk about the process of doing that. So if I want to repackage something that there's a term in the industry that is known to be to generate negative sentiment by the consumer, how would I communicate that? in a headline or in a rebranded product, like what building blocks would I use in, in that headline? I, I want to kind of set you up for this and then I'll, I'll, I'll uh, say what I'm saying if, if you don't kind of go down that path that I'm thinking, but um, I, want, I want to see if, if we're on the same page here. Okay. Since you're teeing me up, I'm going to throw myself under the bus, put myself on the spot and say, can you give me an example in real estate and we'll just do it live right now? Yes. Of course, I'm flying so, without a net, so I could fail miserably, but we're going to find out. I'll do it for myself. My Perfect. wife is always saying, you literally generate leads for your business everywhere you go. And my friends have said that too. Like, how are you always meeting people that are giving you the contact information, like want to have the, you follow up with them? And I said, well, it's really simple. Instead of saying, I own a digital marketing agency, blah, boring, right? Or... Yeah, I, um, you know, I generate leads for real estate agents. Also, like negative terminology because real estate agents lead, have been burned, yeah. but they don't want leads, right? I bought leads. It didn't work out. Yeah, I bought leads. Didn't work out exactly. Instead, the way that I communicate what I do is I generate qualified sales conversations for top one percent real estate professionals. Okay, so like, you oh, just tell me more about example. That. So you just did the next step, which is why. Why should I do business with you as opposed to anyone else, including doing nothing? And the answer to that question, I call an MMP, a magical marketing proposition, because it'll make your competition disappear and it'll make the right prospect appear like magic. So it's how you answer a question, what do you do? Your elevator pitch, but taken to a whole nother level. So instead of, for example, I'll give you an example for one that we've done for numerous clients that's worked incredibly well for financial advisors. And if you ask a financial advisor, what do they do? They say, oh, I'm a financial advisor. I help people save for retirement. I help people never run out of money in retirement. Those are like the three most common answers. But if you redo that, we've got a number of advisors who say, I help conservative sportsmen protect their nest egg from Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden. (laughs) 
So if you are, in this instance, a Republican who hunts sportsmen, that's what they call themselves, you immediately go, oh, my God, tell me more. How do I do that? I want that. I'm a financial advisor. Oh, I got one. I can save your nest egg from Joe Biden. Oh, my God, sign me up. Tell me more. So you can do it based on who the target market is. You can do it based on who they are afraid of. You can do it based on what they hate and having a common enemy that instantly qualifies you as knowing what you're talking about and them going, oh my God, I have that problem. We literally have pictures of our drawings of our target market in each category on the wall with a description of of their personality. So I know if I'm writing a marketing piece for real estate, Rick, I know I'm not writing to real estate agents. I'm literally writing a letter, an email, a post to Rick, one guy. And then when we put it out there in the marketplace, people raise their hand and go, my favorite response is, do you have a webcam in my office? Oh my God, that's like exactly my life. Sign me up. And I'm like, we didn't eat the first time. I said, I didn't even tell you what we were offering. I didn't tell you what we we're going to do for you. I don't care. You get me whatever it is you're selling. I want it. <laughs> right. Just like when you say I generate qualified sales conversations, for top 1% realtors, the top one, every that disqualifies everybody in the bottom 99% says, oh, that's not me. Bummer. I won't talk to him. And the top one percenters go, that's me. I do want more qualified sales conversations. Sign me up. So you did a great job at doing that, at crafting that magical marketing proposition. And if all of your folks can learn from that and do the same thing, it will explode their business as well. I dramatically increased. I went from the 6,700 last place ranked rapid of Fortune 500 financial services company to the top 30 in the country in two years, competing against advisors who had been practicing 20, 40 years longer than I'd even been alive on the strength of a one sentence magical marketing proposition. And that was all I had in the beginning. Love that. And And I got written about in every trade journal. And all of a sudden these guys are like, who's this young whippersnapper in his twenties who's kicking (laughs) our butt? Right. And it's because you spoke to a need or a problem in the headline, right? You, you spoke to a desire and, and yes. something rather than communicating a professional title. Exactly, <laughs> right? which everybody it's, immediately assumes, oh, he's a real, oh, he helps, he's a financial advisor. Well, I know what that is. I have one. I'm good. They have preconceived your brain, notions. Your brain is a filtering mechanism. It is constantly right. trying to filter out everything it doesn't have to pay attention to because we get bombarded with too much stuff every day. So you have to cut through the clutter and interrupt their pattern and say what you do in such a way that they go, oh, I don't know what that is. Tell me more that interrupts my pattern as opposed to going, oh, yeah, I know what an insurance salesman does. I don't need to talk to that guy. That's right. So I am confident that my listeners understand the concept. Now let's make it even more real for them and do a real estate example. So if I were to do this for one of my clients who said that they want only listings, they're a listing agent, which smart in real estate, you can, you can leverage your time much more with listings, make more money. And everyone wants the seller, not the buyer, right? right? Everyone's like, oh, buyers are easy. So if you want to be a listing agent in Beverly Hills, luxury listing agent, yeah. well, what would your, your magical, was it a magical marketing? Magical marketing proposition proposition. Uh, What would you say it would be, Seth? Okay. So I need more information because it isn't just based on what you do because there's in Beverly Hills, everyone thinks they're a luxury listing agent, right? Everybody wants a multi-million dollar, well, they're not shacks, but everybody wants a multi-million dollar house. So I would want to know more. So in this hypothetical scenario, you'll be the luxury listing agent and I'll be me and I'll say, all right, so you are a luxury listing agent. 
What makes you different from the 5,000 other luxury listing agents in Beverly Hills? I have a really unique tax deferral strategy that no one else knows about. And I also understand that the mega wealthy like privacy and everything that my business is designed around helps to facilitate that privacy and discretion while getting them the most money possible because we bring the buyers. We don't have to advertise their house and have all these open houses and have all these people walking and trampling through it, right? We already have the buyers. All right. So, man, I want to get in the business now. Uh, so <laughs> that's how you know you're doing it right. So again, we would have to work on this and have our copywriters develop it further. But my right. concept would be something like, I help privacy conscious, affluent Beverly Hills homeowners, you know, sell their home in, you know, sell their home without a single open house while hmm. eliminating the taxes on any appreciation they've gotten. I would I I need to wordsmith that and copyright it a little bit, but you could come up with that's the start of it. I would come you could come up with a killer hook for that. Absolutely. And so then as they're going to coffee in Brentwood and they're yes. going to shows in Hollywood and they're going to, you know, dinner on Sunset yes. Boulevard, all of a sudden that's what they're saying instead of yes, I'm a luxury listing agent. They're saying that, right? A very direct slightly longer headline yep. for what they do. It's almost like a webinar title for what they do rather than yes. just saying, oh yeah, this is, you know, I'm, hey, I'm a realtor. Right? Yeah, and this applies ne everywhere. It should, that that right. magical marketing proposition that we just are working on right now uh -huh. uh, should be on the business card. It should be on the website. It should be, it should replace your LinkedIn job title. It should be a webinar. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It should yeah, be yeah. a webinar. Um, there should be videos about it. I could do... 60 second, two minute videos about that and run Facebook ads, YouTube ads, and TikTok ads to that video. And you would get privacy conscious, ultra affluent Beverly Hills homeowners going, I want to sell my house, not have anyone come look at it and eliminate the taxes. Boom. Right. Powerful. I want to get my and license in California. <laughs> right. So this concept can then be used in non-online mediums like print. Uh I, yep. I know that your your firm has a lot of experience in print and you've done a, a decent amount of work with residential real estate in, in print. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that because a lot of the copywriters I've studied, they taught me things in theory that they only had print to use as their yep. testing medium. I'm talking about, you know, copywriters from the 1950s where you wouldn't you wouldn't know if the headline worked or not until the phone rang. Right, right which would be a couple of weeks. Yeah, you you purchase this this print campaign, put it to market, and wait. And so I have gotten and grown up in the online and digital marketing space, and I've applied those principles from copywriters in the fifties to today, and it works online. But you get instant feedback, right? And you can instantly iterate and instantly do things. So I'm curious, you know, to learn more just to, all of your experience in print. I, I would love to just dive in a little bit deeper on that. Yeah, absolutely. So when I started, we had print, we had direct mail, and we had the telephone. So literally, my first branch manager at the Fortune 500 company, you know, more than two decades ago said, smile and dial, make 300 cold calls a day, and that's how you're going to build your career. And I hated it. <laughs> so print works even better now, because more people are home because of COVID. And there's less competition. Um, as every social network has taken off, people cut back on their print marketing because they think they're supposed to be on the new shiny object of social media. So it means there's less competition in your prospect's mailbox than ever before, 
which means you got a better opportunity to differentiate yourself by showing up in a competitive vacuum. So one of the things we see, one of the biggest mistakes we see, in the, at least in the residential space, is realtors will send the postcards with their picture and their logo, and then maybe a listing in the neighborhood or recently that they sold. And they send out a postcard, they plant the farm, they send it to everybody in the neighborhood. They'll send the calendar of the local sports team with their picture on it, the fridge magnets. But the problem is if everyone's spending the same thing, everybody looks the same. And this is never, uh, Jeff, I'm sure you and your wife had this exact scenario happen. You said, honey, I'm not going to the office today. Let's both stay home and wait for the mailman because I'm really hoping that today I'm going to get a postcard from a realtor. I don't know. I have no idea who they are, but that's going to be the lucky person that we choose to sell our house. Has that ever happened? Not the, to not the typical conversation I have with my wife after <laughs> a long day of work, but uh, yeah. Right. So that doesn't happen in your prospect's home either. So if they're not, we're interrupting them via direct mail. So we've got to stand out. They're not waiting for another real estate postcard from someone they don't know. So we've got to create something different. We've got to interrupt the pattern. We've got to give them something they won't immediately toss in their recycling bin. We've got to get their attention. Instead of stopping the scroll on social media and direct mail, I've got to stop the recycling bin because that's where you sort your mail, right? You just toss stuff that you don't even bother opening. So I've got to make sure that I get to the top of the pile and I've got to make sure you actually open it and then you actually start to read it so that I've got a shot at getting my sales message heard in a five by eight postcard with my picture going, I sold another house in your neighborhood. Let me know when you're ready. The reason why you got to farm a neighborhood is because they're not all looking to sell their house. you got to drip on them forever until they're finally ready unless you start building a list of people who want your information for when they are ready who have qualified themselves and will reach out because they value your materials and look forward to them as opposed to just, oh, I got lucky and got the postcard in their hands at the right time on accident because I hit everybody. Right. Yeah. And something that I overlooked in print mail is the impression. So I've talked to, you know, a lot of people on my podcast, you know, thanks to market domination, you've got me in touch with some amazing guests. And some of them that did specialize in print mail had mentioned, I don't care if they throw it away. That's an impression, right? And so that, even that mentality of like, yeah, it might go to the recycling bin, but you got the impression. There's that side of it, which I get and I love. And yeah, five to seven impressions. And then they've been officially farmed. And now they're actually going to see your message, recognize your face and this and that. But I love your focus on, no, how do we write a headline that is so catching that it captures their attention, stops in their tracks right then and there and gets them to take action, right? And that's where the direct response yes. aspect of, of your firm is so separate from a lot of other firms out there that focus on more like a brand awareness type of marketing. There's two types of advertising, in my opinion, brand awareness and direct response. Correct. Would you, would you agree? Yes. Brand building, which yeah. is a great waste of money if you can afford it. And direct response, which is I need sales <laughs> now um, and I need every dollar to be trackable. So I'll give you an example from my own life. When about eight, nine years ago, my wife and I uh, we had our third baby. We were busting out of the seams or so we thought at our starter house. We could have stayed there, um, but it wouldn't. Have, we would have had to move some rooms around and stuff. But anyway, we decided we were going to move to a bigger house in a nicer school district. And so we had our realtor and she does a great job. But the very, we had one open house. It was over full of people. This is way before COVID, obviously. And literally we sold over asking in like 24 hours. And that at the time did not happen in Western New York it was unheard of. And she goes, where did you get like 
there were like 50 people here. I've never had this many people in open house in my life. I've been doing this my whole life. Like I'm one of the top 1% in, in Western New York. How did you do that? And I said, well, I did some marketing. I said, who's the ideal buyer for my house? It's a family who just had like their first kid. They're getting out of an apartment. They want a house. They like the school district we're in. They like the location. So I built a list of families who met that criteria and who were fans of the school district Facebook fan pages, but didn't live here. Mm. So why would you like a school district you're not in? Because you want to get there. So we sent them marketing to get them to say, hey, here's your chance to move into the school district. Perfect starter house for, you know, new family, one or two kids. And again, we had 50 people show up, sold, had a bidding war. And she's like, oh my God. Now, the crazy thing is she didn't say, can you do that for me? And can yeah, you that do that crazy. for all of my listing agents? She just kind of disappeared after that and said, oh my God, that was amazing. Let me know when you guys want to move again. Yeah, she didn't take it to the next level like, of how do you not say how do I can I replicate the that? success? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, that's an interesting strategy on Facebook ads to target school district, people that like the school district but don't live there. A great, great concept. Um, I love the start at home approach. And what I'm curious about is, you know, are you still running like real estate Facebook ads today? Not as much as we still are. Um, I mean, and you guys do a, probably a better job of that than we do because it's all you do as opposed to we have lots of different industries that we play in. So I would certainly send people your way. Are we still running them? Yes. Does it work as well as it did five, 10 years ago? No, because um, the market's more saturated. More people are on other platforms. It would, again, it all comes down to who's your target market. So who is the target market for each individual house? They may not be on Facebook, direct mail, Instagram, TikTok, all may be better ways to go. It depends on the target market. Right. Yeah. And the reason I asked that question is because they have changed a lot of their targeting in yeah, the last the couple of years to be rest of compliant. Housing. Yeah, exactly. So doing the like, you know, micro targeting of like, they live in this zip code, but not that zip code is like not a thing anymore. And right. I was just curious, I love the concept. And I was like, man, how would you do that today? Knowing the new regulations? Right. So I was You've like, got to go. You can't huh. do this, the targeting the same way. You've got to waste some money and go a lot broader because they. you can't discriminate, even though I want to discriminate. And it's considered a special category, as you know. Mm -hmm. So it isn't as effective as it used to be. And there's going to be more waste in your ad budget. And you're not going to sell a house for like 100 bucks in Facebook ads anymore. But you could... I mean, you could still pull it off. You, it just wouldn't be as effective and it would cost more, but you could still, it would still be, you know, a fraction of your commission. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, first party data is super important nowadays, especially moving into the 2020s with iOS 14 is already just completely shaken the yep. marketing world. And that will continue with cookie deprecation on Google yep. and a lot okay, of the iOS. other... A lot, yeah, cookie apocalypse, exactly. A lot of the other things that are happening. So, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, privacy was dead, which I thought was, was funny because it is, but it's starting now to it's swing back. back. Right. The, the pendulum is swinging back the other way. So uh, first party data is super important. And, you know, there are data partners out there where you can't go into Facebook and click a button and be like, oh, I only want to target these people. But you can find data partners or work with agencies like mine who can understand your needs as a real estate professional and then pull from data partners on your behalf and create what's called custom audiences. Yeah. So you can still market to custom audiences all day long. And that is considered first party data if you're, you know, getting it from a, like a third party provider legally purchasing it and they've already like scrubbed it and parsed it and done all the things that they need to do legally for it and gotten their opt in. And then 
you can upload that and mark it directly to them. So there are ways around it. It takes more steps nowadays. And that's part of the value, in, in my opinion, of having a marketing agency do it for you is like your value as a real estate professional is is not your highest and best use rather is not in sitting here and scrubbing lists and uploading custom audiences and marketing, like tweaking a Facebook ad. No, that's not why you got your license. Yes. Right. (laughs) You should be meeting with clients. So, so yeah, Facebook ads are super powerful. And then, you know, as the last topic of today, I mean, we could talk about this stuff forever, but I know we both have meetings after this. So I want to focus on, on YouTube ads for for the remainder. And I'm just curious, you know, what, what you're doing, any really successful strategies for real estate um, using YouTube ads? Yeah, one of our best performing strategies for real estate is take that video of the house, whether it's a drone video or other type of video, walk through, and then running ads to the right type of people in the right geographic area. So again, it goes back to who's your target market, but the beauty of YouTube ads is I can run ads in front of anybody else's videos. So I could go find that luxury listing agent. I could go, you know what? What if we're talking about Beverly Hills? What if I run ads in front of people who watch videos on the Maserati dealership or the Lamborghini dealership? Well, now I know they're either a, I can target YouTube by income percentages. So I can go by, huh? They're affluent. They're watching Lamborghini maintenance videos because they've got one. Right. Or I'm checking people who are watching, who are fans of the Mortgage Broker channel or all these other things that can let me really narrow down on who my target market is and show them my videos for very, very low cost. Yeah, that is the power of YouTube is that they allow a targeting placement to be other channels or specific videos. Or specific websites. I can say I want people who went to that website and show them my video. Yeah, which is also super interesting because guess what? Google owns YouTube. (laughs) Second largest search engine in the world. That's right. And Google's the first. And the way that Google and YouTube make money is through advertising. (laughs) Yeah. Right. No surprise there to some, a huge surprise to others. That's the entire business model, right? And that's the business model that Facebook has adopted. So they want to get their advertisers results, right? So as much as they're dealing with compliance, they're also fighting tooth and nail to still provide the data and the platform that is needed for advertisers to get results less expensive than traditional TV or radio or the other things that are untrackable and and uh, you know more of like a shoot your shot super wide shotgun yes. approach right yes. they wanted to I, I allow will always more. favor the sniper rifle with a laser sight yeah. over the spray and pray right exactly so yeah I, I like that strategy uh, targeting you know if you have a listing, marketing it to the right type of buyer. It goes back to that buyer profile that you create in the beginning. And if you have a lot of clarity, even prior to that on who you want to market to in general, then your seller and your buyer will probably be pretty similar. Like you said, Seth, my previous version of myself was, uh, you know, aspiring homeowner that wants to leave an apartment and I have one or two kids. That's who you were marketing to. It's like who you were, right? And so now you've evolved into a different stage and you're ready to move on. But it turns out that if you are a real estate professional and you do that avatar and niche work really in depth upfront, then your buyer and seller will pretty much be the same person, right? Because the people that are interested in buying the house are probably the ones that already own it. (laughs) Amen to that. Yeah. So it's not like you have to do this twice and and reinvent the wheel. Really, just if you do that work, uh, Seth and I both promise it'll pay dividends. 
Absolutely. <laughs> uh, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? Like you said, we could talk about this stuff for hours, if not days. So I will say you've done a fantastic job and there is no one more question you could ask that I could answer like in the next five minutes effectively. So we'll have to save that for the next episode. All right. Sounds great. Seth, how can listeners contact you? MarketDominationLLC.com. I love it. Check them out. They have a lot of services in addition to podcasting, but I currently contract them for help with my podcast and it has taken a huge weight off me to really effectively grow and scale this podcast and do it right. So I know a lot of people out there are thinking about doing a podcast. They see the power in it. They follow five or seven of them themselves and they, they're like, man, I have a message to share. Well, do it right, get an agency to help you out and market domination is the one. So I uh, really appreciate having you on. Seth Green, everyone, he's out there in frigid Buffalo, New York, but uh, he is still crushing it in the marketing world despite the cold. <laughs> I appreciate having you on. Thanks so much, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.